Hello, church. Thank you for joining us here today. I am Felipe Assis. I'm with Carter Brown and Sam Miranda. And we're going to attempt to do something that we have never done in the history of Crossbridge, which is to preach a sermon together. As you see, we're keeping our social distancing here. Elbows in, tucked in. Um, but honestly, we don't know how this is going to go. So be in prayer for us right now. Uh, if you want to interact with us, go to the comment section, leave your comments, leave your thoughts. Somebody will be with you in the comment section. Uh, my hope, my true hope is uh, that you would be encouraged today and that the Spirit of God would challenge you in a whole different way as we navigate together through this COVID-19 crisis. Hey, you know, this week was uh, another hard week. It was a week of great loss, many different levels. And, and I felt that this week because I received an email from our apartment uh, complex that there are some positive cases in our building. And I just felt this loss of security, felt vulnerable. I uh, felt like I don't want to leave. I don't want to touch anything. And just losing that freedom of movement is jarring. That's painful. You know, you know what else is painful? Uh, the people that we know. I'm getting text messages, phone calls now. People saying, Pastor, I lost my job. People saying, yeah. hey, I lost a lot of volume of work, and that's affecting my income. Man, never in this country's history have we seen the economy stop the way that it has right now. And unemployment is at a record high. Yeah, it's just so heartbreaking to see uh, what's happening in the economy and in people's lives. You know? Let me ask you all a question, how your marriage is doing. That's a great question. Good question. Because uh, I thought I had a strong marriage, and I do. I mean, we've been married 23 years, but being, being quarantined for about two or three weeks, I read something online, a phrase the other day, quarantine quarrels. That's what we're doing. We're just kind of fighting over the dumbest uh, things. And so... Because um, you can't run from your spouse. No, you can't, can't, They're with you 24-7. Can't, can't There's hide. no escape. You could hide your wife and your kids, but you can't hide from your wife and your kids that's when right, you're quarantined. Right. So, you can't quarantine in quarantine. <laughs> so my, my heart is that, man, we pray for marriages that are struggling right now. We yeah. pray for parents who got to wake up tomorrow morning, and guess what? you got to homeschool your kids on Zoom or Google Hangouts or whatever they're using. And, and, and people who are single and experiencing loss and, and just loneliness. And here's the thing. If we focus on things that we lose, it's only going to produce more anxiety, more grief, more more restlessness. And so what I'd like for us to focus on is what we have in Jesus. Because the more we focus on what we have in Jesus, doesn't matter what crisis comes our way, we're not going to lose what we have in our Lord and Savior. And so you guys ready to get into it? Let's do it. Yeah, I want to get into go. the text. We're going to be reading from John 14, the gospel according to John. If you have your Bibles, John 14, verses 1 through 14. This is what God's word says to us this morning. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Philip says to him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? 
The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Yeah, I, I, love, I love this passage. I'm so glad we're looking into this passage today. Uh, this exchange that Jesus has uh, with the disciples uh, comes in the heels of what he said to his disciples in chapter 13, which is that he was about to leave them. He was talking about his imminent death, and obviously the disciples are anxious, and they're confused. And, uh, you know, in, in, in verse 36, for instance, of chapter 13, Peter asked Jesus, Jesus, where are you going? And he says, where I'm going, you can't come. And that's why chapter 14 starts with Jesus saying, let not your hearts be troubled. What a, what a great way to start, uh, you know, our, our time together with this verse, let not your hearts uh, be troubled. Jesus is saying to his disciples, look, there is going to be a time of pain. There's going to be a time of separation. I know that you don't understand that right now, but it's only because I am going to secure something better, something greater for you guys. And today, like you said, Sam, we want to focus on what we have in Christ, that which Christ has procured and secured for us, uh, the, the better, the greater, you know? Yeah, you know, when I look at this passage, uh, the first thing that I see is that we belong to Christ. Uh, verse 2 is one that's so captivating. It stands out when you read the text. Verse 2 says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? You know, this, the imagery of this verse really just kind of takes your imagination uh, to Jesus as like a, a construction worker who is going to heaven and is building rooms or houses. In fact, the, the King James Version of the Greek word here, which is mone, it, it translates as mansions. And so you have this image of Jesus who will ascend and will go to heaven and will build mansions or rooms or dwelling places. And when you read it at first glance, it seems as if the comfort that Jesus is giving his disciples who will experience the betrayal of Jesus and then the torture and the arrest and the crucifixion and the burial, and then they'll experience the resurrection. They'll be excited, but then he will ascend. They're experiencing all of this loss that the hope that Jesus is providing is this picture that one day eternally, when Jesus returns, he will take us to mansions, uh, to rooms and dwelling places. And I know many of us imagine, I want my mansion to look like Downton Abbey, you know. Maybe you want Buckingham Palace. Some of you, I know you want your mansion to be Cinderella's Castle. I'll stay here in Key Biscayne. Yeah, you, you, got, you got Key Biscayne. <laughs> but, you know, I think the question that's really important is that, is that in fact the comfort that Jesus is providing the disciples and us when we face times of great loss? It is true that we will dwell with God eternally in the new city, and it will in fact be a city uh, with rooms, and I, I believe with mansions. But the comfort is even deeper, right? You read verse three, and verse three says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that 
where I am, you may be also. The emphasis that Jesus puts in this passage is not on a place. It's not on a mansion or a room. It is on a person. In fact, that word mone, which is translated as rooms or place, the verb form of that means to stay with or to dwell with. And so Jesus says here that I am taking you to dwell with me, to myself, so that where I am, you also will be. And verse 23 is the only other place in this entire New Testament where the word mone for room is used. And Jesus says this in the same passage, John 14, verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and will come to him and make, and make our mone, our home with him. Mm. That if you love Jesus, the father loves you because of what Jesus will do on the cross as he speaks to his disciples, because of what he secured through his resurrection that what Jesus does, if you love him, the Father will love you, and Jesus and the Father and the Spirit will make their home, their dwelling place, their room with you. See, the comfort that Jesus is providing us and his disciples in times of great loss is not that we hold on to a room or a mansion or a castle that one day we will inhabit eternally. It's that now, in this moment, we belong to the family of God, that we belong to Christ, that if we love Jesus through faith, because of what he has done on the cross, because of the great loss that he suffered on the cross, even in times of great loss, we can know that God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit makes his dwelling with us, that he's here, that he's imminent, that he is near. And I know uh, many of us feel like we don't deserve that, that we don't earn uh, a place with God, that there's no way that we could possibly ever warrant such a relationship with God where he dwells with us. And I love the emphasis that Jesus is preparing many rooms. It's not a few rooms, it's many rooms. And all people are invited in through faith in Jesus, through loving Jesus, God the Father, Son, and Spirit makes his dwelling with us. And so though we may be sheltered in place, though we may feel alone and feel loss, the God of peace has made his place with us. Because of what Jesus has suffered on the cross and his great loss, even in our loss, we are not alone. God is with us and we belong to Christ. What a great hope hold on to. Yeah, I love that, Carter. We basically, Jesus becomes the room or our room in the Father's yeah. house. Um, not only do we belong, but we got a future. We got something to look forward to. We got yeah. a future to envision. I remember when I was a boy, I used to I run a lot with my dad at the park. He used to take me, he used to sign up for these races, these 5Ks, these 10Ks. Um, a lot of people are doing exercise nowadays, throwing it up on challenges on Instagram. And, and I would beg him, Dad, let me run with you. And he's like, no, you're not old enough. You can't run. And so one day I got old enough. And so we signed up for this race, and I was nervous. 
I was scared. Thousands of people there. Um, and he says to me, he says, son, listen, if we, if we, you got to stay by my side, okay, when the gun goes off and the crowd starts, you got to stay, you got to stay with me. I was like, okay, dad, okay, okay. And so he said, listen, if we separate, you got to keep running, okay? Just keep running. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to find a way to reconnect with you. And I said, like, okay, okay, okay. So the race starts and guess what happens? I lose my father and I'm freaking out. I'm being pinballed. I'm eight or nine years old, pinballed between thousands of people. And, and it's this moment where we go from a known situation, right, a stable situation, and, and, and the space between that moment and going into a new situation is what we call crisis or instability. This is what's going on in the minds of the disciples here because Jesus just finishes telling them, um, I'm, I'm going. And where I go, like Philippa said earlier, you cannot follow. And to make things even more interesting, he says to them, and by the way, you're not even going to make it through the night without me. <laughs> and so when they heard these words, they were troubled. They were troubled in their hearts. Um, they, they, were, they were nervous. They were anxious, mainly because even though they knew this guy for three years, they weren't sure to how well they knew him. They were unsure to how real and how lasting their relationship with him was. And this is who we are for the most part. We're troubled people. Even in our best efforts, man, we are, we're troubled from within. We're troubled from without. We're troubled in our marriages. We've got trouble in our schools, in our work. We've got trouble in our neighborhoods. In fact, right now we're facing one of the biggest, like Philippe said earlier, one of the biggest crises in our nation. Trouble is all we get. It reminds me of one of, um, one of Job's friends, even though they weren't like the wisest counselors. I think one of them got Miserable it right. Counselors. <laughs> I think one of them got it right. I, I wrote it down here. It says, in Job 5.7, he says, a man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. And most of what troubles us stems from either moral or spiritual or even straight up evil and corruption. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of those things we're seeing today on the media and the news. And, and, and in light of all that, how in the world are we supposed to follow this command or be obedient to this command in verse one, when Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled when it seems like trouble is all we get every single day. And I think the reason Jesus says this, and, and many other passages in the Bible where it says to give thanks in all circumstances, especially the bad ones, is because Jesus is about to go toe-to-toe and face-to-face with unquantifiable, inexpressible evil, the worst torture that any human soul will ever experience in order to overcome the worst possible. This is the ultimate crisis, the cross. It's the ultimate crisis to overcome the worst evil ever. He believes in God the Father's promise on the cross, he believes him. He's, he's going to the cross, he believes him. He's got, he believes the Father will exalt him at the proper time, at the proper moment, that at, that, that at the sound of his name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord for the glory of the Father. This is what he's envisioning. This future joy is what enables him to endure the cross. This, this future joy is what enables him to give thanks as he was being crucified, as he was being brought before to be killed. What are we focusing on? That's the question I was asking myself as I was preparing uh, this talk. Because listen, troubled hearts carry heavy burdens. I was looking on, online the other day, and, and, and a lot of people are, are facing, like you said, a lot of burdens. Uh, online the other day, I got a friend who's in New York, whose job, he's a massage therapist, he's got a business, whose job requires him to be socially and intimately close to people. What does he do? You know, people are burdened. They're, they're, they're worried about their jobs. They're worried about their finances. Uh, maybe they're worried about what tomorrow's going to bring. And like Thomas, they're asking, you know, uh, God, what are you doing? Where are you going? Where, what, what are you up to? Maybe, may, maybe they're burdened uh, uh, because, I don't know, you couldn't catch a break, right? And last month you caught a break, and guess what? 
COVID-19 shows up. And this is just so unreal. But it's in these moments that um, we got to remind ourselves that we have, listen, verse 14, ask me anything in my name. We have life in his name. And this life includes the, the power, right? The power to not have a troubled heart. The life has the power to produce a, a, a belief in our hearts that says, you know what? I ain't even going to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got its own worries. A belief that, that, that comes out and says, you know what? I'm not even going to worry about what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink. The Father knows exactly what I need. A, a belief that comes out and produces us to say, you know what? Even though I walk through the valley of death, I know that the good shepherd is right there with me to counsel me, to guide me, to lead me. I don't have to be nervous when trouble comes. This is what the disciples were troubled and nervous about. They're about to lose Jesus. They're about to lose their best friend. They're about to lose someone they loved. And, and they were nervous. They were completely helpless and alone. And, and this is where people find themselves now, sheltered and helpless and alone. And we'd be lying if we told people, now, hey, listen, we know how this is going to work out. I don't know how this is going to work out but I know who's going to get us there. <laughs> I know exactly who's going to get us there. Jesus is always doing this to us. He's moving his disciples, us, right? He's doing this in the text. He's moving his disciples from trouble to trusting, from trouble to trusting. And what gives us hope in the midst of crisis and the burden that we experience when, when these troubles come, when these trials come, when these, when these experiences, it's not in knowing how it's all going to work out. I, I just want to know how it's going to turn out tomorrow, God. That's not, that's not, what, that's not, that's not what's going to let us trust God more. It's in knowing who is going to work all things out for our good. And that's what John's gospel is trying to produce in our hearts. It's trying to produce a belief and a freedom from the expectation in knowing how, how this is going to work out in life, and being obedient and trusting in God in the who. Obedience is our job. The outcome is God's. And so going back to the race, and to finish the story, so eventually I catch up to my father, you know, and I knew it was my father from a distance because he's wearing these bright orange polyester shorts that he probably still owns, right? And he's got this nerdy, <laughs> he's got this nerdy dodgeball headband that he's probably framed in his house somewhere, right? And I catch up to him, and, and, and the minute I catch up to him, he looks down and he smiles. And listen, that day I knew that I was, I was the beloved of my father, that my father loved me. Because watch this, I watched my father run, I watched him train all my, all my life, my short life, eight, nine years old, right? I knew there was no way I would have caught up to him on race day that I would have caught up to my father had he not noticed I was missing and not developed a plan and slowed down enough for me to catch up with him. We are the beloved of God. And that's so important for us to know because that day, not a trophy, not a cheap medal, not a ribbon, not coming home looking like Forrest Gump talking about my, you know, sharing my mom. Oh, honey, I got a better time this race than I did. No, that day I was my father's prize. And that's so important for us to know that we are the beloved children of God, that God loves us, that God is with us, that God is not going to leave us. And here's why that's important, because we don't know what, we don't know what tomorrow's going to look like or next week. Some reports are saying that the peak is going to happen in May. I don't know what's going to happen. But here's what we know. If we don't know that God loves us, when these, when these struggles come and when these battles come and when these new devils on different levels and new evils and, and struggles, when they come, it's going to feel like we've been rejected. It's going to feel like, uh, like a cold heartedness has overwhelmed us. It's going to feel like God has left us in the, in the middle of a thousand problems. But God is with us. The only way to have courage in crisis 
courage in the crisis is believing that our Heavenly Father has developed a plan. He's developed a strategy that when trouble rises in our hearts, we can look at the end of the movie, we can look at the end of the story, at the end of the race, and know that the destination, by the way, the destination for which we've been saved, right, is so much better and so much greater than any trouble or that any crisis that we'll ever face on this earth. Yeah, that's great. And you know what? That's what gives us purpose. Yeah. It brings us a sense of purpose. You know, Jesus here in the passage in verse 6, which is the central verse of the passage, uh, not only does he say, I am the way, and we've talked about how uh, he is the way back to the Father, where we get that sense of belonging. He is the way as in, as in he is the one that uh, has uh, secured us a future. You know, he is uh, journeying with us towards this better future that you've talked about, Sam. But he also says that I am the truth and the life. And I'd like us to think a little bit about uh, what truth and life means in, in the context of, of the purpose that uh, we find in him because of who he is. You know, a fir first truth uh, there's a lot of noise uh, in this crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of things out there that are not true. You know, you've probably heard some conspiracy theories. There's some people saying that this is orchestrated by a global uh, government uh, for, for, for purposes of, of controlling the population or the, 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 you know, the amount of people in the planet. And, and that, that's crazy. Uh, now, we also know that there are things that are true, but they're only true in the moment, right? So we know that there's a virus that's spreading really fast. Uh, that's true. That's true in the moment. Uh, it's, it's a deadly virus. It kills. There's, there are people dying. That's true. It's true in the moment. Uh, that there's a serious economic, global economic crisis going on. It's true, and it's true in the moment. But it may not be true uh, a year from now or two years from now or, you know, if we're a little bit more optimistic, two months from now. But there are things in life that are permanently true that the Bible talks about, things that are permanently true. And, uh, you know, the question that we must be asking is, what is that is unchanging? What is that that will never change regardless of the circumstances around us? And that is, you know, what you just said, Sam, like it goes back to what you said. The, the truest thing in this passage is the fact that we are loved by the creator God of the universe. See, when Jesus says, I am the truth, he is, he is redefining ultimate reality, right? Ultimate reality for us is that we are loved. Mm -hmm. See, it, it, there, there are times in our lives... Uh, especially uh, when we talk about the future, that look uncertain, that may fill us with anxiety or fear, like the disciples are feeling right now, as Jesus is talking about the fact that he's going to leave them. Um, you know, it, it's natural. It's natural uh, to feel that way. It's natural to be anxious in the context of, of uncertainty. But, but that's dictated by the circumstances, right? We, we should not be... Uh, dictated or our life should not be lived in just in light of the circumstances, but on that which is permanent, on that which is stable, on that which is eternal. And that is that we are loved by the creator God of the universe. And, you know, it's, it's in the context of love that our lives are repurposed. Think about in your own life, when was it that you felt that things were all sort of firing 
uh, on all cylinders, where, where the universe uh, was uh, perfectly aligned, where everything was working, was, was when you were in love, right? When you fell in love uh, with, your, with, your, with your wife. I, I remember, um, you know, when I fell in love uh, with my wife, Beth, man, there was nothing wrong with the universe, Right. <laughs> and, and everything and everything that I did, whether I was buying clothes or I was managing uh, the money in my bank account, um, it, it was informed. It was it was influenced by uh, that relationship that had redefined my life. See, you know, our lives are repurposed or redefined by love. You know, some of you love your children. Everything has been rearranged. Everything has been redefined because of that relationship. And, and that, that's the truest, truest thing about us. The truest thing about us in the midst of this crisis, you know, uh, is, is that we are loved, like you said, Sam, by the creator God of the universe. And, and that's what gives us life. That's what, uh, that's what Jesus says. That, that's how it's all connected, you know, the, the way and the truth and the life. There's two words in the Greek used uh, for life. There's the word bios, which is, you know, biological life, where we get that, uh, the, the, the word biology from. And then there is uh, the word zoe. And I actually have a daughter named Zoe. Uh, but the word zoe in Greek, which is the word that appears here in the text for life, is, uh, is a word that can be translated as uh, life as abundance. Uh, your cup is always full. There is, uh, there is, there is a sense uh, that you are now living life to the fullest. This is the idea here in the text. And, you know, the connection when you put both things together, uh, that, and, and that is that, you know, we find purpose, Right? Uh, in his love. See, our, our lives are now redefined. They're filled up. We, we start to live big lives based on the truth that we are loved by the creator God of the universe. And, and you know what that means is that when you truly understand that, you know, the purpose for your life becomes, I'm going to live my life for him, right? Because I have been loved. I have been repurposed. And so there's no other way there's no other way when you understand this than to live your life for Jesus. And so here's the word of hope for all of us here today. And that is that even in a crisis such as this, there's still hope to find purpose. See, there's still hope to find purpose. And, 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 and the way we find purpose is reminding ourselves that, you know, obviously we live in a broken world. We are not immune to pain and suffering. Uh, by the way, Jesus was not immune to pain and suffering. He's talking here about his imminent pain and his imminent suffering. But it's through his pain and his suffering that we are reassured of his love. We have something that the disciples didn't have at that time when they were having this conversation with Jesus, which is the cross. See, uh, Jesus uses suffering. He enters suffering to give us the ultimate proof and assurance and affirmation that, man, we are loved by the creator God of the universe. And when you find this truth, man, you begin to live for him. And, and so I was thinking, how can that shape and affect the way in which we are living our lives right now in the middle of, of this pandemic? Uh, number one, um, I, I believe that if you truly believe that you are loved by the creator God of the universe, then there's purpose in what we're going through right now. 
and that God is teaching you in this very moment. And so I, I, I'm always asking myself every day when I wake up since this crisis started, is like, God, what are you trying to teach me? You love me. You're putting me in this place of leading people through this crisis. What are you teaching me about yourself? What do you want me to learn? Because I want to live my life for you, and I want to learn from you. And then secondly, uh, that, you know, if, if your purpose is to live your life for him now, because you understand how much you've been loved by him, you know that he wants to use you in the middle of the crisis. Not only is he speaking to you, but he has a very clear purpose. He wants to use you in the middle of this crisis. And so uh, the challenge, I think, for all of us is to make ourselves available. God, how do you want to use me during this crisis? How do you want to use me to serve people? There are going to be, church, amazing opportunities in front of you. There are already amazing opportunities yeah. for you to love and to serve and to encourage people. There are going to be more, even more. Are you available? Are you willing to be disrupted so that you'd be used to love and to serve people? You know, there's also opportunities to exploit people. There's a lot of people that are exploiting others. Uh, the other day, Carter ran out of toilet paper, and he was sharing with me. My wife, thank God, she bought a bunch of them right before the crisis hit at Costco. And I thought, I literally thought of selling each toilet paper roll for 10 bucks a piece. But God told me, hey, this is not the time to exploit people. Okay. All right. Church, you church. You got to serve. He gave me three you rolls. Gotta, that's three 30 rolls. Bucks. That's 30 bucks. <laughs> hey, but Jesus was telling me, my flesh was saying, make the money. All right, Collect. But Jesus was telling me, serve your fellow pastor. And, and so that's, that's what I did. So, uh, so those are all great lessons, I think, for us to learn today. I hope you uh, were comforted. I hope you were challenged. Any closing thoughts, guys? I, th I, th I thought this worked out fine. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I love the fact that Sam said, he, I mean, it was like a rap song. You said different devils on different levels. Oh, yeah. I mean, you were spitting fire right that there. It was like off the dome. I mean, like, I, I, lo I love that, man. So no, no, but I loved your the illustration of your dad in particular because, you know, I was really centering on belonging to Christ. And you kind of gave me like an insight there, which was that it's not just about belonging to Christ in the moment, but when you recognize that, you realize that he has a future for you that when Christ is near and when God is near to you, he's always drawing your eyes forward because he has a plan. And it's not up to us, as you said, to figure it out. He has the plan and he's adjusting the plan so that we see him, so that we can catch up to him. I, like that was really stuck in my head and I, I love the way that you, you put that. I, uh, Philippe, you said something about the truth, the way and the life and, and, and what we have now that the disciples didn't have. The reason they couldn't follow him is because he hadn't died yet. You know, he says, listen, I can't, you can't follow me because I have not died yet. I have not resurrected yet. I have not ascended and I have not interceded on your behalf. Then I'll be ready to receive you as myself. And it just reminded me that as we're on this journey, uh, he, he is the life. Mm -hmm. He's the way that we get there. And he's also the life that we're going to enjoy when we get there as well. Yeah, I, I love something that you said, Carter, and that was that Christ secures this sense of belonging for us. Um, even as you shared about people in your building being diagnosed 
uh, with the virus, uh, which means more isolation. And I'm thinking even in the context of, of, of Brickell, right? Um, you know, people feel lonely. This is a city where people honestly feel lonely. We've been talking a lot about that through yeah. the years at Crossbridge, yeah. that one of the ways that we contextualize the gospel is to say, hey, there's hope for community. There's hope for belonging. And yeah. so I, I, just, I just think that that's such an important message for people, especially that live in more of the urban context of Miami, uh, to hear. Yeah. Uh, that brings such comfort, such yeah. comfort. That's so good. Um, Thank you, guys. Thank Thanks. you for joining yeah, me. This was fun. Yeah, uh, we might try that again. Uh, I, I want to hear your opinions, your feedback. Yeah, let us know we, in the we, comments. Yeah, we may do that be again. Be nice, be nice. Uh, Sam, would you mind closing us in prayer? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, if you guys uh, out there. Out there, sorry, I had a mic down. But you can close your eyes and in, in, in an act of unity. and let, Just let's, let us pray. Uh, Jesus, during your earthly ministry, you showed your power. You cared for people. You healed people of all ages, of all uh, stations in life, Lord, from physical, mental, and spiritual ailments. Father, Jesus, we just ask you to be present now uh, uh, to people who need your love because of this uh, a pandemic, this, this virus that's going around. May they feel your power of healing through the care of doctors and nurses who are on the front line. I ask that, that you remove any fear and anxiety and feelings of isolation from people receiving treatment or under quarantine right now. Father, I, I ask that you give them a sense of purpose, as Pastor Philippe said, in pursuing health and protecting others from exposure to this disease, protect their families, protect their friends, bring peace to all who love them. Holy Spirit, as families adjust, right? And we're all adjusting to everyone being home as businesses and schools are being closed. We ask that you guide people in their new realities, give spouses grace for each other, uh, uh, prompt worn out parents to speak words of kindness and encouragement to their kids. And, and, and we ask that you help kids just find creative ways to experience the beauty of all that you have created and continue learning during this time. In your name, in your precious name, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, church, we're, we're so grateful that you're joining in with us. We are one. And so we actually want to invite you, if you feel comfortable, to stand up and to prepare to worship together as our worship team leads us. And so if you will stand, we're going to worship together.